Good morning, YouTube. Good morning, whether you're watching from the Fellowship of Champions page or you're watching from one of the other pages. We are excited to have you. And I need you to get excited about Jesus. Mm -hmm. I need you to practice when you are watching virtual service, coming with the same energy as when we are live. There should be some clapping of the hands. There should be some praising of the Lord. And since we can't see you do it, you got a fire. You got a heart. Good morning. We have um, uh, Carlodia. I hope I got that right from um, Milwaukee. I saw that. Were you at the event yesterday? I just came back from mm. Milwaukee. I had an opportunity to be a part of Pastor Melva Henderson's amazing empowerment conference for women. It is one of the best financial empowerment conferences I have ever been to. And I was so honored to be a part of it. Also learned that Milwaukee is absolutely beautiful <laughs> in the summertime. Now, I could not live there in the wintertime, but I'm telling you, it's it's real nice for spring and summer. And so I'm super- and Since she's a first-time visitor, we should welcome all of our first-time visitors in case we have any. So first-time visitors, welcome, welcome, welcome. Do exactly what she did. Put in the comment section that you are a first-time visitor, and we will make sure that some of our virtual greeters are able to say hello to you. So thank you, thank you, thank you for being here this morning. So we're excited. I want to see all the places that we have represented today. So let us know where you're watching from. As many of you know, we are doing a solemn surrender fast this month. We have over 500 people that are registered for the fast. Now, I'm going to just tell y'all a secret what I know. What I know that means is that everybody from FOC is not registered for the fast because we have over 500 virtual partners because we're on our way to 1,000. It is not too late for you to join the FAST. We have 34 states plus South Africa represented on the FAST. On Friday, we didn't have Connecticut. San Teresa sent me a message and said Connecticut just came. So we got some states up in the Northwest, Alaska, Washington, Oregon. If there's some people there, you come on and join us on this FAST. This fast is tied into this teaching about kingdom alignment because we are believing God for massive salvation. How many of you know someone that needs to be saved? We all know someone needs to be saved and we need to get active and engaged in praying and reaching them. So we're praying for that. We're also praying for the prodigals to return home. How many of you know some prodigals? The prodigal left his father's house and ended up in the pig pen. And we have many people that have professed Jesus, their personal savior, and they have ended up in the pig pen of life. And we want them to come home. And then we want to deal with the lukewarm. This is the believer that you've accepted Jesus. But the Bible tells us in Revelations, God doesn't like lukewarm. He would that you be hot or cold. So we're calling you to hot. And then we're also um, believing God that we would all go to our own personal level of a new level of personal sanctification and purification to live holy. One of the last songs that Pastor Chris sang this morning was holiness. That's what I want. We need to acknowledge that holiness is the will of God for our lives. And then we're believing for signs wonders and miracles, healings and deliverance. And we've already had three testimonies of healing. Now we're going to pray tonight at 7 p.m. Central. So I'm inviting you for that. that so mark your calendars right now. Write it, write it on a piece of paper. Write it in your, in your phone. Make yourself a note. 7 p.m. Central Standard Time tonight on one of these channels. We'll, we'll be on all the channels, but you should join us tonight at 7 p.m. 
you should definitely join us because something supernatural happens when we pray. Now, tomorrow, we're going to be doing strategies for success at noon. I have a special guest. You have to join to see who that is. And then on Tuesday, we have Ed Talk at noon with Pastor Strick. Um, have I been a guest on Ed Talk yet? I asked you and you said you weren't available. So not yet. <laughs> <laughs> so no. You so shady. So no, you haven't been. You haven't been. You haven't been available yet. Oh, it be your own people, guys. It be your own folks. And then this Tuesday, we're having relationships one-on-one. -on -one. And listen, you I'm telling you guys, you don't, I say this all the time, but you don't want to miss relationships one-on-one. -on -one. We're going to be talking about unmasking unhealthy relationship dynamics. And so many people don't even realize that they really are in what you call toxic or dysfunctional relationships because they have been so used to seeing what is what really is toxic or dysfunctional relationships. So I'm asking you to join us uh, for Relationships 101 this Tuesday, June 6th at 7 p.m. It's going to be an eye opener. Uh, so invite your friends, invite your family, because we're not, again, we don't just talk about romantic relationships. We talk about work relationships. We talk about relationships you have with people at church. We talk about people, you have relationships in social settings with your family. And I'm telling you, we're going to unmask some unhealthy relationship dynamics that you may be participating in and didn't even realize it was unhealthy to you, or you may realize it was unhealthy, but you didn't know how to escape it. And we're going to help you with that this this week. So I'm encouraging you to come. Uh, it's going to be great. It always is when Pastor Sean is with me. Uh, oh. So the next time she joins me on Ed Talk, it'd be great too. Oh. Uh, and so encouraging you to come out, and it's going to be wonderful. You don't really act like you fast. <laughs> you oh, I'm, I'm fasting fast. No, no. You might need to go to no food fast because it just seems like it's a lot of stuff up in there. Listen, you know what some of you may learn on Tuesday? Some of you may learn that you are the toxic person in the relationship well, and you can get delivered from that as well. well. Because one of the things I notice when we talk about toxic relationships is that everybody thinks it's the other person. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to tell you something. If you think all of the relationships are in trouble because of other people, I'm going to guarantee you 100% you are the toxic component in the relationship. Yep. If it's everybody else, all your marriages, all your former best friends, all your churches didn't work, you are the toxic component. But there is deliverance for that. You don't have to stay toxic. Amen. 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 So listen. And then somebody asked me, babe, and I thought it was such a good question. They said, we noticed that you and Pastor Edwin are doing so much more. Right. And listen. Um, and, and Nietzsche, who's a counselor, said, and all your next exes are not narcissists and your mama and your cousin and everybody. Everybody's I know y'all found not. that new word and now y'all think everybody narcissistic. But number one, I want to remind you that you are supposed to be um, licensed in order to be able to make those diagnoses about people. And yeah, but that's that. So somebody asked me, they said, we noticed that you are doing so much more. And I want you all to put this in the comments. It's time to reach the world. Mm -hmm. It's time to reach the world. We are constantly thinking about how we can do more to reach the world. I am actually working on an idea right now because I want to bring back some version that looks like Sunday school. Because the one thing that I have discovered is a lot of y'all don't know y'all Bibles. Y'all think that Abraham built the ark. You think that that Moses was the one who um, who um, had um, 
Isaac, you, you just don't know the Bible. And when you don't know the Bible, here's the problem when you don't know the Bible. When you don't know the Bible, it is incredibly difficult to recognize false teaching. And, and here's, I'm so glad you said that because one of the things I was thinking about this week, because I've been having these conversations with some pastors and some other people, is that, <clears throat> and, I, and the only way you can say it, and it's not, a, it's not a derogatory term, but people are biblically illiterate. They are biblically illiterate. And because people are biblically illiterate, they, what a lot of people are doing in our society today is they are gravitating <clears throat> towards something called spirituality. Mm-hmm. And, and what they're really doing is they're actually listening to some preachers, but they're also listening to some uh, some motivational speakers. Sometimes they're listening to just people who are just playing out there who are occultish. Uh, you listen to black Hebrew Israelites. You're listening to uh, people who, who, who are involved in crystals and, and new ageism. And what they're doing is they're mixing all of that together and they're coming up with their own theology. And, and the reason people are gravitating to it and they like it is because they see it as giving them freedom. But but living lascivously is not freedom in Come Christ. Come on, Bible word. It's just not freedom in Christ. And so what happens is people are out here living in a kind of way, calling it freedom. But true freedom is to be a slave to Christ. Come on. Because you are either going to be a slave to the enemy or you're going to be a slave to Christ. And so because you uh, can live and do whatever you want to do and feel good about it has zero to do with your freedom. That's not true freedom because even then you're being bound to the very thing that you're supposed to be being freed from. How do you say I'm free in Christ and then you go and, uh, and attach yourself again to, 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 to lustful faults, to gluttony, to gossip, to homosexuality, to all of these things that the Bible is clear. The Bible's clear that we should, that, that we should be freed from. But what people have done is they've taken this idea of living lasciviously and calling it freedom. And it's just not true. Well, and it really, I'm so glad you said that, guys. I need y'all to put this in the comments. It's Christ for me. Yeah, it's Christ for me. I'm coming out with a T-shirt that says it's Christ for me. Right. It's Jesus for me. And this is so important because when Jesus is not your foundation, then you are looking for what will let you satisfy your flesh. You are looking for what will let you stay in a relationship that God is not pleased with. You are looking for what will let you keep cursing, what will let you keep getting drunk, what will let you keep being a cheat, a liar. And so what I believe, we were talking about this, is that I believe that the seeker-friendly movement, which everybody who knows me that over 20-something years ago, Pastor Edwin and I continually said that that was a bad move. It was a bad move to create church that was centered on the comfort of the people. And what we now have is, we have a group of people that are biblically illiterate, that are spiritually unwise. And what we have created guys that we must fix, we must fix it, is we have created a lot of false security regarding salvation. And, and that is why kingdom alignment is so important to us. That is why we have over 500 people from all over the nation, plus South Africa fasting, is because we cannot assume 
that people know Jesus just because they're coming to church with us because there is so much mixture now. And really there are so many people that are looking for something that will let them feel good, but will not require them to crucify their flesh. Now I want to say this because this is important. You cannot earn salvation. I want to be absolutely clear. None of us can be good enough. We cannot do enough to earn salvation. But I want you to hear me. There is a response to salvation. There is a response. If you have met the Lord Jesus Christ, there is a response to salvation. And that is holy living because you have been made righteous to live righteous. You have not been made righteous to continue to live in sin. Yeah, the issue is the thing that is lacking in the body of Christ is discipleship. That, that's what's missing because a person who comes to Jesus, and I had a pastor try to argue with me about this and uh, we agreed to disagree, but his idea was that you come to Jesus and then the Holy Spirit teaches you all that you need to know to clean you up. And that's just not true because Jesus himself told his disciples, he told them to go and to make disciples. Make disciples. So you say, okay, well, what does it mean to make a disciple? Look at what Jesus did for the disciples. What did he do? He taught, he taught them. them. He corrected he them. He challenged them. He showed them the error of their ways. What happens nowadays is that so many churches and people just, they're biblically illiterate. And so because of that, they come up with their own concepts. And so you have pastors out there telling people, just come to the altar and give your life to Christ. And now once they did that, they said, okay, you're saved now. Listen to Holy Spirit and he'll tell you everything you should or shouldn't do. Without them even going through the process to ensure that they have been filled with the Holy Spirit. Their thinking nowadays is that if you get saved, you're automatically filled. And, 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 and let's say that's the case. Let's say Holy Spirit comes inside of you. You don't automatically unlearn everything that you that you learned before you got born again. Y'all need you to, have to be discipled. You have to be discipled. And if nobody is discipling anybody, no wonder the church is being infiltrated with every single teaching there is except for the gospel. Well, and not only do you have to be discipled, you have to be willing to be discipled. Well, sure. You have to be so. But if, but if people are born again and they don't know what they don't know, they can be open to being discipled and still not be discipled because somebody's telling them, oh, just wait till the Holy Spirit to stop doing something. Oh, no. Just wait till you feel convicted. I agree with it. Pastors need to be. Yes. But I'm, I'm all most of the time when people come to Christ. They're open. Otherwise, they wouldn't have came. Good point. They wouldn't have came. They wouldn't have, they wouldn't have said, hey, I want the Lord in my life. I want to be, if they weren't open. The problem is, is that we allow that door to be closed shut by all the cares of the world and everything else because we don't get them into discipleship. We don't, we don't teach people what it means to have a response to salvation. There should be a response to salvation. Now, I want to say this, though, because this is important. The five-fold ministry cannot do all the discipleship. No. Other believers have to grow up. I actually have it in my notes today to ask you, who have you won to Christ? Yeah. Who are you discipling? Because I see a lot of believers that are frustrated about the direction of the church, but who are you pouring into? And I got to be honest with you guys, discipleship takes work. 
Discipleship is not this right here. Right here, we're teaching you. Discipleship is the personal conversations. Discipleship is giving somebody who's about to fornicate permission to call you at midnight. Discipleship is somebody calling you at eight o'clock in the morning because they about to cuss their spouse out. Discipleship is teaching them how to parent according to the word, teaching them how to spend their money according to the word. And what I have found is that when you create a seeker-friendly space, people come to church to get what's theirs. Yep. They are not interested. I see people all over the world. I I can't I can't go to I can't go to church here because they don't do this. I can't go to church here because they don't do that. Because really, they want church to be a fast food restaurant that brings them their food their way, and they don't want anything that's uncomfortable. And the gospel is not a call to comfort. It is a journey of transformation to look like the Lord Jesus Christ. Y'all, listen, we already preaching. And I think about it like this: I don't even blame the people if you set up a culture that is seeker friendly and I come into that culture and it's seeker friendly and then you do a switch of rule on me, that's going to make me feel some kind of way. But if you come into the culture and the culture says you have a responsibility to respond to this gospel that you now have accepted, if that's the culture, then when I start to disciple you and challenge you, you don't want to run off because you just think it's the culture. And that was the problem with the whole seeker friendly church movement that we wanted so many people to just come into the buildings. We wanted so many people to just make a commitment for the Lord. We forgot about the whole part about discipling them. And discipleship is messy. This teaching mm. that we do, it's messy. It gets in people's business. It gets in front of their doorsteps. It gets into their psyche. And it's messy. It challenges you. It bothers your flesh. That is the entire point of a teaching ministry, and it's the whole reason why you need discipleship so that when people get irritated and they get offended, they have a community of people, an environment of people telling them, listen, I know how you feel, but stick this out. It's going to work for your good rather than saying, yeah, I don't like that either. Let's go over <laughs> here and let's try something different because that's really what's happening in the body of Christ right now. No, discipleship is messy and it's interesting. Which is why people don't want to do it for a lot of part because it's messy. But if no one had discipled us, we wouldn't be here today. We wouldn't even be married. No, child. we no. wouldn't be married. But people had to. It gets in your business here. I, I want everybody putting this in the conversation in, in the comments. The gospel is supposed to get in your business. The gospel is supposed to get in your business. The gospel is supposed to get all in your business. It's supposed to get in your sex life. It's supposed to get in your money. It's supposed to get in your parenting. It's supposed to get in your work life. It's supposed to get in how you act in stores. There should be no place as a believer that <laughs> the gospel, gospel is not, not in your business. business. It's supposed to be in your business. Amen. And here's the other challenge that I Amen. see. I see a lot of people who are saying, stay out of my business till you shipwreck. Mm -hmm. You don't want anybody to talk to you about, there are some, some of you, you have people in your family. They don't want you to tell them to tithe. 
They don't want you to tell them to quit shacking with a man that don't work. They don't want you to tell them to quit shacking, period. But they do want you to give them money when they can't make it. Mm -hmm. The gospel is supposed to get in your business. And many of us, we can start right here. I know we didn't finish the announcements, but that you need to repent because you have sat back watch people in sin, but you can't, not, not regular people. I'm talking about people who say they love Jesus. I don't say anything to non-believers about living in sin. Non-believers are supposed to live in sin until somebody snatches mm -hmm. them out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. But many of you, you are the comfort zone for the carnal believer. Mm -hmm. You are the comfort zone. They can call you and say to you and do all types of things in front of you. The reality of it is, is that the presence of God on our life should make it uncomfortable for people to do certain stuff in front of us. Mm -hmm. Now, you may do it. But you shouldn't do it in front of me. And I'm, I'm going to tell this story. And then, babe, I'm going to toss it to you and let you pray so we can get into it, okay? Listen, my grandmother lived a righteous and holy life. This is the truth. My grandmother, she did not play that. She, We laughed and talked about it before that even when we was engaged, she did not let us stay in the same house. With, the same house. I ain't say the same room. We couldn't stay in the same house when we were engaged. But I will not ever forget this. There were two men in our neighborhood who would routinely get drunk on the weekend. They would get drunk and they would get loud and they would be staggering down the street. And if my grandmother went out there and stood in her yard, those men would straighten up and they would say, Miss Uola, I'm sorry, I didn't see you. I mean, they would be stumbling, rolling, all kind of stuff, but they saw enough God in her that it straightened them up when they walked past. Is there enough God in you? Or are you so busy? Because a part of this other deception is that you guys, not you guys, people watching, but the body, you have been deceived into believing that love means we co-sign everything. Love, the love of God, I, I, I posted a scripture two weeks ago. It says that the love of God is to snatch them out of sin. It is not to co-sign sin. And some of you need to repent because you are the comfort zone for your carnal friends. You are the comfort zone for sin. People will let you know what they really doing. Listen, the rest of us don't know that Sarah got a boyfriend and a husband, but you know, cause she tell you, cause you comfortable, she comfortable telling you people living two and three lifestyles and you know about all three of them there, there, it should not there. The Bible says, I was thinking about this. Um, the scripture says as believers, there are some things that ought not be named among mm -hmm. us. There are some things. I love what Dexter Lee said. I grew up watching winos put their bottles behind their back when the preacher walked past. There ought to be. But if we don't live like anything, if we don't live like salt and light, how will we bring people to light? The other part of that, too, is that those winos, even though they was winos, they were trained to be respectful of the gospel. We got an entire generation of people who have never been taught to be respectful of the gospel. Their parents didn't like going to church, so they didn't take their kids to church. And those kids haven't taken their kids to church. 
I can also say when I was in school, we didn't have kids cussing teachers out. But almost in every school, in every place in America, you got one or two kids who will flat foot cuss a teacher out from the top of his or her head to the soles of their feet for what? Taking a cell phone that they wasn't supposed to have in class. Because we don't have a generation of people who even have the respect that those winos did. So it ain't even just the church. It's the entire it's the entire breakdown that the enemy has been able to deliver to this world by causing earlier generations to be offended with the gospel. So they didn't they didn't uh, raise their kids in the fear and ammunition of the Lord. And then they didn't raise their kids in the fear and ammunition of the Lord. And so now you've got these group of people who they don't care that you are preaching. Th th those same winos who, who used to say, I'm sorry, Miss Yola, if she was alive today, them knotheads would walk by and wouldn't even say nothing and would call her by her first name. It ain't. It, it is that they saw the God in her, but they were also trained that right is right and wrong is wrong. We live in a society now where people don't want to just admit that certain things are wrong. Those winos would be drunk and knew it was wrong to be drunk. Today's winos say, you can't judge me. The Lord loved me while still being a wino. And that is part of the problem that we no longer have this standard that people are willing to live by and say the Bible is right and everything else is wrong. And if I'm doing opposite of the Bible, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Now we live in a society where people say, well, if God don't want me this way, he'll change me. So you're waiting on God to do what he's given you the power to do. And it's just not gonna work that way. And that's why we're fasting. Yep. That's why we're fasting. That's why we're praying. That's why we're challenging you to grow up. That's why we're challenging you to be a disciple and to disciple other people because we can't keep looking at the world talking about how bad it is because nothing changes with the world until something changes with the church. Yep. Nothing changes with the world until something changes with the church. Mm -hmm. Babe, you want to pray? Absolutely. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come to share with these, your people. Thank you for this opportunity of fellowship. Father, we ask that you allow this broadcast to go out into this entire world, touching those who need to hear it. Let it be a, a door opener for those who don't know you, who want to get to know you. Let it be a call back to holiness for those who do know you, but haven't been living that out. Father, as we begin to teach on this series, Kingdom Alignment, help us all to become more aligned to your kingdom. No matter where we are in the body of Christ, no matter how much we know or don't know, help us rise to that next level. Father, we are calling right now for salvation in, in, in massive numbers. Allow us to be the conduit to kick it off, Father. Give us the wisdom. Give us the insight. We know you've already given us the power. Father, let us use all of those things that we may cause your kingdom to increase and cause those who don't know you to get to know you so that none shall perish. If you do that for us, Father, we'll be so thankful to give you the praise and the honor that you deserve because we know that you do deserve it. In your son Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Listen, everybody type this in the comments, kingdom alignment. That's the series we're doing, kingdom alignment. And this is part two. And all of that pre-work we did, that's about kingdom alignment. Um, someone asked how they can fast. If you could drop the link in there, San Teresa, tell them how to join the fast. It's not too late to join the fast. Don't forget to join us in prayer at 7 p.m. today. But listen, how many of you are born again? If you're born again, put a one in the comments. If you're born again, put a one in the comments. It's one for me. It's one for me. 
If you are a born again believer, this is what this means. It means that you acknowledge that you were a sinner in need of saving and that Jesus came to be the appropriation for your sin, died on the cross, took on the sins of the world, went to hell, got up with all power, and that whosoever believed in him is a new creature. That is the message of the gospel. It is not that Jesus was a prophet. It is not that Jesus was a good man. It is that Jesus is the lamb who taketh away the sins of, of the, the world. world. That is the gospel. Why do I want you to understand that? Because I want you to know how to minister the gospel. Jesus is the lamb that taketh away the sins of the world. Now, if you just walk through that normally, if Jesus, and rationally, if Jesus came to take away the sins of the world, there is no way he called you to still live in sin. Mm -hmm. There's just no way. There is no way that Jesus took all those stripes, was crucified, pierced in his side, spit on, had his beard ripped out, and was mocked for us to come and make a confession and then go back and live the same way we live before we made the confession. Mm -hmm. We cannot earn salvation, but there should be a response. Mm -hmm. This means part of the response is that we have an individual responsibility to learn what pleases God and do that. We must begin the practice of pleasing God. Put that in the comments. The practice of pleasing God. We got, it's like God is not our genie who's here to please us. We must begin the practice of pleasing God. Mm -hmm. The practice of pleasing God is the journey of sanctification. Yes. It is the journey of holiness. So it should be like this. We were doing whatever we were doing. We accepted Jesus as our personal savior. We find out something doesn't please God. We should not make excuses to keep it. We should begin to put boundaries in our life to get rid of it. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense to you guys? So we have to shift from a mindset that says, I see Jesus as fire experience and I just don't want to go to hell, but I want to live my life the way that I want to live my life, but I just don't want to go to hell. So what I really want to know is how much can I get away with and still live for God? How much fornication, how much cussing, how much gossip, how much lying can I get away with and still live the blessed life? Yeah, and the sad part is, depending on who you listen to, you can get away with a lot of it. And here's the reason, God loves me. And so they have conflated love with the ability to do whatever you want to, except it doesn't make sense in any other context. No other context. In any other context, no one says, my spouse loves me, but they go and have random sex with other people, and it's okay because they love me. People say, no, if you love me, then you need to do things that show the appropriation of that love. But yet when it comes to Christ, we want to be able to say he loves me and yet I can do anything I want to and it should be OK. And that is if that's not deception, if that's not 
putting a veil over your face, I don't know what is. Because even if you just think about it from an intellectual standpoint, that makes zero sense. It makes zero sense because we don't apply it in any other area of our life. So what I hear you saying is that we've been married almost 29 years. Mm -hmm. And if I go out and get me like six boyfriends, mm -hmm. don't come home at mm -hmm. night, start giving your money away, mm -hmm. right? That nobody watching this is going to tell you it's, that it's cool because you love me. Everybody on here would say you don't love me. Everybody on here. And would, anybody on here who would say, no, she loves you, you don't know what love is. Everybody on here. And 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 people, would, even people who are my friends, yes. would start to come to you and say, Pastor, I don't know what's going on with Sean, but this ain't good and healthy mm -hmm. for you. So why do we think it's acceptable when Jesus literally says, if you love me, keep my commandments? How do we see Jesus say, oh, oh if you love me, keep my commandments, and then we co-sign that you can love Jesus and do whatever you want to do? Because ultimately it's about us fulfilling our own desires. As you said, we want Jesus to be our fire insurance policy so we don't burn in hell and we want to be able to do everything we want to do. And the easiest way to do that is to develop your own theology that says God loves me so much I can do whatever I want to do and he's already loving me and forgiving me. It's the easiest conclusion to get to. And once you reach that conclusion, you call it freedom. But really all you're doing is living a life of lasciviousness, calling it freedom. And that's the problem. That, that, is, that is the problem in the body of Christ. And so, but the reason we start with ourselves is because what we often do is look at other people. You may not be fornicating, but how much unforgiveness are you still walking in? Cause you don't think you got the right. You don't, you don't have the responsibility to forgive because it was your daddy, because it was your ex-husband. How many of you and how many of you actually have a deep love for his people and want to see other people saved because it's not just that I live better. It is I live as an example to people. I live to honor God, but I also want to see other people saved because I think the other fallacy of the kingdom is that I get saved. Now I got mine. You get yours. Yeah. And so many people, you have been in church for years and you have never led anybody to Christ and you have never discipled anybody. And in reality, in reality, you don't care if people get saved because the moment you working with somebody and they get on your nerve three times, you don't quit on them. We got to grow up. Can somebody say grow up? We've got to grow up. Bernita Lee just said she was participating in the fast, but she just officially joined. We have to grow up. Why? Because we have a commandment. Time is winding up. And the truth of it is, I think many of us heard that so much growing up that we don't want to hear it anymore. But the scripture says we don't know the day nor the hour that Jesus is going to come. But there is a scripture that tells us why there's a delay. Yeah. And, and actually, I was I was reading that this week and going through it in the Holy Spirit just he pricked my heart about it and i'll i'll tell you about it but let's read Ooh, it let's us. read it first it's second peter uh three nine uh in the new living translation you shared this last week and it says it like this it says the lord isn't really being slow 
about his promise. That promise meaning returning uh, and, and, and calling all of those who are dead in Christ to rise and to live forever in heaven, right? All that, that whole promise that he made, that he was going to prepare a place for us. And if it was not true, he would not have told us. So he says, the Lord isn't really being slow about that promise, as some people may think. It says, no, the Lord is being patient for your sake, for my sake, for your sake, for, for the whole world's sake. He does not, why is he being patient? Because he does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. That's good. And so when I read that, the Holy Spirit said to me, literally, it like it pricked my heart. He said, so you haven't developed the same heart that Christ has. Mm. And I was like, okay, mm. say more. He was like, oftentimes you say things like, just come back, Jesus. Just come on back. Just come back and get us. He says, you say that because you have salvation. Oh, my God. But you don't have the heart of the Father that would actually ask for him to delay his coming so that those who don't know him would get to know him. He said, so you should repent about that. And Whoa. I thought about all the times that so many people, myself included, myself included, have said, just come on back, Jesus. We're saying that because we're frustrated with the world we see rather than understanding we're the answer for what we see. He says, you're the answer so that those don't have to perish. That is why the Lord is being patient for your sake. Who's sake? For mine, so that I can live out what he's called me to do, which is to call others to come into the body of Christ. He says, now go ahead and repent so the Lord, so that your heart can be in line with the Lord's, so that you don't, so you no longer will ever get frustrated when you see the world going the way it's going, but you will see yourself as an answer for it, rather than asking the Father to come back so that millions don't get to know him. And I was like, Lord, I repent. Lord, I repent. Now, that is so funny. I repented. That's so funny because you know what? What? He said the same thing to me. <laughs> I repented. He I said did. the same thing to me. This is how he said it to me. He said, you need to understand what Paul said. Paul said, it would be good for me to go home, but it's better for them that I stay. Mm. He was like, you got to give up this thing that you want me to just come back when you can look on every side and see people that if I came back today, eternal damnation would mm -hmm. be their home. And that's what he began to talk to me about how in the in the uh, what they call American Christianity. And you need to know this if you live in America. Most other people in the world think our Christianity suck. They think it's fake. Because it's so individualized. Mm -hmm. Christianity is a community. Mm -hmm. We are called into a body. That means I have a responsibility to bring you back if you look lost. And I have a responsibility to go and catch fish. And what many of us has done, and I know this is a cutting, pricking message, but you still should be sharing it. You still should be giving hearts. You still should be giving fire. You still should be engaged. Is that many of us, as long as our life is improving, I know Jesus, my marriage is better, I'm getting promoted on my job, my money is better, I don't care what is happening to the world. Yeah. And how many of you need to repent for that? How, how many of us you need to repent? And you can say, honestly, just tell the truth and get free. 
I don't care whether my co co-workers are saved. I don't care whether my neighbors are saved. Heck, I got people in my family. I don't care whether they saved or not because they done got on my last nerve and they done done all kind of stuff. I actually don't care if people are saved. That's what Pastor Edwin is saying. When that's our position, yep. we need to repent yep. because we don't have the heart of God. Here's what it's saying. Listen, I care. I may care a little bit that you in a bad situation, but not enough to disciple you for six months. Mm -hmm. Cause baby, listen, how many of you just, you can put number one in the comments. When I done told you about three times and you keep doing it, I'm gonna go ahead and be like SpongeBob. I'm gonna head out. I'm not gonna lay on my face and pray for you. I'm not gonna take a day and fast for you. I'm not gonna see if I can find somebody else that's connect with you. What I'm gonna do is what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and head out. And let me tell you what I'm going to do, because I love scripture. What I'm going to do is I'm going to say, and Jesus said to shake the dust from your feet. But you can't shake the dust from everybody, guys. And it's funny, you're going to be proud of me. When I was in the airport yesterday and on the plane, I intentionally talked to people. Mm. I said, there may be somebody I am supposed to minister to today. Anybody who knows me that knows that typically I'm in the airport, I got both my AirPods on because I don't really want to talk to people. But I was so convicted last week. I'm like, I am a preacher of the gospel. I am filled with the Holy Ghost. And I am with all of these people. I literally, as I was walking through the terminal, I was praying over people. Father, I may not be the one, but you know that these there are people here who do not know you. We've got to turn our hearts. Hear this. God is not going to turn our hearts. We must turn our hearts. And when we turn our hearts, we tap into the grace. I want somebody to say, give me souls. Mm -hmm. Give me souls. I think here is a practical meditation that you can do to help you. One of the things you can do is begin to see yourself in heaven with souls. See yourself with people that can say to that will say, I know Jesus because of Hillary. Mm -hmm. I know Jesus because of Amy. I know Jesus because of Etoy. I know Jesus because of Ralph. I know Jesus because of all of these people at Fellowship of Champions. I know Jesus. So I'm willing to be uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I'm willing to pray more. The other night when we prayed and Friday morning when I led prayer, I said this. I said, I may not be the one who gets to lead my loved ones to Christ, but I'm going to lead somebody's loved ones to Christ. Mm -hmm. That should be our mindset, right? That's our assignment. If you look at 2 Corinthians 5 and 20, it clearly lays it out. Clearly. That's our assignment. Mm -hmm. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. When we're saying prodigal, come home, lukewarm person, get hot. When we're saying to the lost, do you know Jesus? We are speaking on behalf of Christ. This is another scripture that tells you your life is not your own. That's why you can't post anything on your Facebook page. That's why you can't just like anything on IG. Because just so you know, when you like that stuff, we can see that you like that stuff. You can't just be at your job doing any kind of thing, calling yourself a believer. Because if you are a believer, you are also an ambassador. And, and if you look at that scripture, look at the middle part of it. It says God is making his appeal. Through us. Through us. 
So if God's system is to appeal to the laws through us, through us, Jesus, and we don't become the mechanism for which the loss can be attached to Christ, then we are the breakdown. If you look at his word, it says, so we are Christ's ambassadors. We are the ones who are born again, who have accepted Jesus. We have become ambassadors for Christ. And if that's the case, and God makes his appeal through us, through us, if we refuse to be the conduit through which that appeal comes, then the lost is lost, not because of Christ, but because of us. And when it becomes that real to you, then you put down your reputation and you put down everything else that would hinder you from living a certain way, doing a certain thing, being a certain way, talking a certain way, doing whatever it is so that you can be the one appealing to those who don't know Christ. So what I hear you saying is it be your own self. It be your own self. It be your own self. So we're looking at the world. The kingdom isn't growing. Whose fault is that? Whose fault is that? You know, sometimes people will say um, more people should be in fellowship of champions. Go get them. Yeah. No. What, what They say more people need this teaching. How many people have you told about the teaching? I don't. And, and, and it's got to be more than tagging. Yes. It's got to be taking the time to have conversations. It's got to be saying to somebody, I know you have professed Christ, but I'm very concerned about what I see in your life. Or, or I know you have professed Christ, but have you been discipled? Have you been discipled? Have you been discipled? You, you made the confession, but have you been discipled? Because based on your language, based on your anxiety, based on your worry, based on your words, I don't know that you've been discipled because the word is different than what's coming out of you. You got to come and learn. It's like most of us didn't know algebra until we took an algebra class. Facts. It didn't mean we couldn't learn it. But we had to be discipled in algebra. And once we got discipled in algebra, then we could go to another level, right? And it's, it's just, it's, it's, we know it in the common sense place of the world, but it's like we just trip over stupid when it comes to the kingdom. And we forget everything that we know. Is this making sense to you guys? But the Bible says that we can look at the natural world mm -hmm. and make a determination about those things that are spiritual. So if I need to be taught and educated in a subject in the world, then why would I now come to church and not need to be taught or educated about the subject of living for Christ? It just doesn't make sense. If you if it happens in the world, the world's just a mimic of what's really in the spiritual. Come world. on, that's good, babe. And so if it's happening, if I need to do it in the world, I certainly need to do it over here in, in the spiritual realm. That's good because... Yes, we're supposed to be good moral agents, but we're not supposed to be good moral agents just to perceive ourselves as better than others. Mm. The good moral agency is supposed to give us a door for someone to ask us why we are different. We have taken our good moral agency and placed ourselves higher than the people who need us, which is why we don't feel the need to get our hands dirty with the people that are in sin. It's just like when Jesus met the woman at the well and when the disciples came back, they was all like, what in the world is he talking to her for? He was talking to her because he was willing to get in the dirt to pull her out. He wasn't trying to get in the dirt to be in the dirt with her. He was in the dirt to get her out. 
When is the last time you've gotten in the dirt with somebody? When is the last time that you have used your freedom to say, I want to be a bridge to their freedom? Listen. And to be clear, people talk about Jesus just hanging out with sinners. But even the woman he was talking to, once he bent down and kneeled down and wrote whatever he wrote and everybody went away and he told her he forgave her. What did he say after he said she was forgiven? He said, go, go and, and sin, sin no, no more. more. In other words, go and don't do what you have been doing that got you in this place. He didn't say, okay, cool, you're forgiven. Now go back and chill and do what you were doing before. He didn't do that. He said, go and, and sin. sin no he more. called what she was doing sin. It didn't mean he didn't love her, but he called the act of what she was doing sinful. He didn't say, well, I, I, you know I love you. So so just just go and try not to try try not to you know do what you was doing. He said, go and don't do it anymore. Why? Because he was discipling her. I had a couple people tell me last week that they were struggling with anxiety. And I tried to do the Jesus model. Like after I comforted them for their anxiety, I said, now let me ask you a question. How much time are you spending in your word? How much time are you spending in prayer? Because in truth, if you tell me that you're struggling with something, me rubbing you on the back won't get you out of that. You got to know what God said. And what happens is, is that we want people to rub us. Mm -hmm. We don't want people to say to us, Edwin, the reason that you're struggling with anger is that you are not meditating on the word. So then when I say that to Edwin, not Edwin, but just this example, then he's like, let me go find somebody who understand why I'm angry or why I'm anxious or why I'm whatever. Right. It's, it's the reason even when I talk about going to therapy, should you go to therapy to work some things out? Yes, but it should be to work them out, not to keep them forever. Yeah, your why. And I, I tell people, listen, your why really doesn't matter. It really doesn't. Come on. Why you're anxious, why you're upset, all, all of that really doesn't matter. What it what what it says is that you are not rooted in the thing that can conquer your anxiety. So now you can keep the anxiety or you can keep trying to figure out why you're anxious, or you can get discipled and you can learn what this word says so that it overcomes your anxiety. The, there's no reason to work people through anxiety. What is working them through it going to do? The next thing that comes is greater than what you worked them through. They're going to be anxious again. What do I give you so that when those things come, no matter what level they are, they don't cause you to be anxious or worry because you're rooted in something greater than that? That's really good. Because so many people talk about the why. Why am I anxious? Why am I like this? Who cares why you are? Do you want to stay that way? Or do you want to get something that's going to be so dynamic in your life that no matter what comes today or tomorrow or next week, it's never going to cause you to be anxious again because what you now have a foundation in is so much greater than any anxiety. Once people get that, you fixed it. The why doesn't matter. Um, the other day, I, I, this blessed me so much. Um, it was the second day of the fast. And this young lady sent me a message early in the morning. And she said, Pastor Sean, I need your help because I have already cursed today. But she said something important. She said, I don't want to curse mm -hmm. anymore. I don't want to curse anymore. So I said to her, the reason you probably struggle with cursing 
is because at some point you made a covenant with profanity because it's how you protected yourself. You learned that if you talk to people a certain way, you could back them up off of you. It doesn't matter why you thought that. What matters is now you got to come out of agreement with it. Mm -hmm. And you now got to say to the Lord, I don't want to be that person. I don't need profanity for protection because you are my protector. What we're saying is that everybody got a reason for why you sin. Mm -hmm. Everybody got a reason. Mm -hmm. Put this in the comments. Everybody has a reason for their sin. Mm -hmm. You got a reason for why you cuss. You, 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 you lust because they showed you porn when you was a kid. Everybody got a reason for why they sin. Everybody. And Jesus is the answer to all our sin. Absolutely. We all got a reason. We all got a story that we can tell. Mm -hmm. I was exposed to this when I was 12. Yep. My daddy didn't. My mama didn't. My ex-husband didn't. Somebody touched me. Somebody mistreated me. Somebody abandoned me. We all have a reason, but Jesus is the answer to all of our sins. There's a Christ for that. There is a Christ for that. And we are doing people a disservice when yeah. we continue to let them believe that what happened to them is bigger than Jesus. Mm -hmm. That what you did is bigger than Jesus. Mm -hmm. No, Jesus is the, this is all Andre Crouch song. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him, there is no other. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the answer. We all got a reason. We all got a legitimate reason for why we do what we do. Thanks. But we all have a supernatural answer to come out of any bondage that we are in. Jesus is the answer. And now what we have to do is to believe that. If you don't believe that Jesus is the answer, you, you will go and look for other answers. You yeah. will go and look for other solutions. If you're really not sure that Jesus can get you out of this, or you're not really sure that he's the answer for you, you will find yourself seeking answers in other places only to become more and more disappointed and more and more disillusioned. And then you start to feel like there is no answer at all. When the truth is, there is a Christ for that. I love there what is she, an answer for I that. love what Chandra said. Chandra said he is not an answer. He is the. He is the answer. Mm -hmm. He is the answer. Mm -hmm. And this is so important because I think this will prick your heart. If you haven't watched it, you should watch Jesus Re Revolution. It's really good. It's the story of Greg Laurie and how God began to minister to hippies and how he changed a bunch of hippies and got them off drugs. There is one scene in the movie where the guy, I don't remember his name, but this is what he says. He's talking to this pastor who's a very stoic pastor, right? And he's talking to him about, he's saying, what you don't understand is that the reason that the hippies are going after drugs is that they are looking for the answer. Mm -hmm. It's our responsibility to tell them Jesus is the answer. If we despise them, hear what I'm about to say. If we despise people for the answer they have picked, we will not minister to them truth. Mm -hmm. So here, here, follow me what I'm saying. Why do people go after astrology? They're looking for an answer. Sure. Why do people go after drugs and alcohol? They're looking for an answer. 
Why do people go after sexual immorality and perversion? They're looking for an answer. Why do people look go after money being the source? Because they're looking for an answer. But if I look at you and I go, oh, because you are into astrology or you are into crystals or you are into this, and I now count you as unworthy of hearing the real answer, which is Jesus, or when I do it, I want to do it to get you told, not to get you transformed. Mm. A lot of times believers, when we come after people that we see that they are engaged in what we know to be sin, we know to be witchcraft, we know the stars, all of that stuff. We're showing up to get people told not to get them transformed. But what if we would begin to say, I understand that you got there because you were looking for an answer. And it reminds me of the Apostle Paul when he's preaching in Greece and he says there is a temple to the unknown God. And he says, I see all of these temples and I see there is a temple to the unknown God. I have come to tell you who this unknown God is. That's why I think what God was saying to us was so important. Our hearts have to be as big as his heart is for people who are lost. Mm -hmm. I agree. For people who are lost, yep. right? So you may be feeling a heart prick right now, but I'm going to say, I'm going to say what I said last week. Repentance is not a heart prick. Repentance is not complete until we turn. We must turn from the way we have treated evangelism. Mm -hmm. We must turn from the way that we have treated um, treated discipleship. We must turn from putting the work on somebody else to do it. And we must get engaged in the goal of ambassadorship. Yep. We must accept our roles. We must say, take my life and do something with it. You can use me to bring them to you. You can use me to equip them in you. But that means we also have to grow up. Yep. We have to grow up and we must, you can't go to people looking for an answer when you don't have an answer. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, and I tell people, I'm a firm believer in this. A lot of people say, well, just tell them Jesus loves them. You need to know more than just Jesus loves them. Yes. You to, in order to effectively disciple people, you can't go to people who are looking for an answer. And they've turned to, to witchcraft and astrology and numerology and, 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 everything, and, and everything else and say Jesus is the answer. And they say, OK, how? And then you have nothing else to say. You have to become biblically literate yourself, which means you've got to take time to study. You've got to take time to understand this word. You got to have a heart for it, but you also need some education behind that heart. The Bible says God will give you what to say and he will. But you need to study and know what it means to be the answer. So that when people when you're going to people saying, hey, witchcraft isn't the answer. OK, then what is Jesus is how it can't be a stopping point when they ask you how it can't be just well, because Jesus loves you because, OK, well, Jesus loves me. Then what? It's got you got to be able to get people to understand all that embracing the gospel entails for their life. But if you don't know it, how do you get to share? Let me just see something. How many of you need help knowing how to minister the gospel effectively? Put a two in the comment if this is you and you need help with discipleship. You need help with it. You're like, I'm willing to do it. But this thing that Pastor Ellen just said, I'm not sure how to do that. 
I'm willing to learn, I'm willing to be trained, but I need help. Then, so when I'm looking for what we're going to do in some kind of small group format, that's what we're going to look for. Mm -hmm. We're going to look for how to evangelize and how to disciple. Because what I see you guys saying is, I'm willing to do it. I just don't know how. Now, I got to call out men. Last night, I made a call to men, and I said, men, we need you in the game. I need you to know we need more men in the game than Pastor Edwin and Pastor Ralph. Pastor Edwin and Pastor Ralph cannot be have the responsibility for winning all of the men. And women cannot have the responsibility for winning the men. Mm-hmm. I need the men. I'm going to call y'all. Kev, I need you. All of the men in our church. Who are the men in our church? Darius, we need you. We need you to get in the game. Said, we need you in the game winning. Nigel, we need you in the game winning other men to Christ. Hey, Shat, let me go ahead and just shout this out real quick. I did have Darius Smith, Jim Smith's husband, uh-huh. reach out to me, and he is excited about starting to work with our young men in Ignite. Thank he, you. He reached out to me personally, said, hey, Here's what here's my skill set. Here's what I would love to do. I'm excited about doing it. And when we talked and got off the phone, he said, in fact, I'm going to call my wife right now and tell her that I am because com- he's like, I'm committed to FOC. What can I do? What is my skill set? And we talked about it. And he said, you know what? I, I've lived a life that I that, that gave me some different kind of experiences. I am willing to share that with the kids, even if even if I need somebody to help me to do it, I'm willing to do it. So so me and so I just want to shout him out. We for, shout you for, out, Darius. For, for Come on. Now let me tell you something. So that means this next six months in FOC. We're really going to come up with some greater levels of development. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we're going to be teaching like this, but we're also going to be having some small groups and some different things like that because we got to get you ready because a lot of you, you know, Jesus, you love Jesus, but you don't know how to share it. Yeah. You don't know how to share him. And I keep saying to us. That and, and that used to be taught. I think the church kind of got away from the whole part about discipleship it was just how do i get people we came up with all these church growth strategy conferences and how to get more people in the doors but those conferences didn't talk about what do you do with them when you get them in the door how do you have uh, a mechanism in place so that you can actually train those people who come through the door you know it was just about how many people can we get in the door how many people can get in the door make people comfortable because then they'll stay and then they'll go get more people who come and those people will be comfortable we're not a, we don't, I don't mean it's in a bad way, but we don't care about your comfortability. What we care about is you becoming an ambassador for Christ. Preach. Because Preach. We, we, we don't care about how comfortable you are. Some of you need to be stretched and pulled out of your comfort zone. We care about how are we going to train a army to go out and resist the devil and snatch these people back who are just looking for answers. And we show them, as Sean just said, the answer. Inner circle, did you hear that word army? Listen, let me tell you what I'm going to do. I am going to add sessions to the fire experience where I'm going to find somebody who is effective in discipleship and evangelism to come and teach. So we're working on the fire experience right now. That's not all we're going to do, but that's what I can do because the fire experience is an event that I have every year. And that's what we're going to do. But we're not going to wait. We're not waiting until October, November. We're going to get started now. Right. What do we believe is the goal of this series? What are the goals of this series? 
We want the people who are listening to this series and the people who are sharing this series, we want you to have encounters that lead to genuine repentance and salvation. Genuine repentance and salvation. Number two, we just talked about it. We want to equip FOC with the necessary revelation for a kingdom aligned lifestyle. We want to lift, the, we want to encourage you. That's why we're saying we're willing to do small groups. We're willing to do all of these different things because we need you equipped when you're out here in the streets. We need you equipped on social media. We need you equipped in your job because there are still people who want Jesus. Amen. In fact, the Bible says Jesus is the world's desire. They just don't know that he's who they desire and it's our responsibility to show it. Amen. Number three, we want to stare FOC to have a heart for the kingdom and for souls that moves them to win the lost and disciple others. I hope that got started today. Is that started I, 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 today? I hope that, that that piece, that number three piece got started today, that you realizing that you really need to have a heart for this kingdom and having a heart for this kingdom is having a heart for the citizens of that kingdom souls that belong to this kingdom that have not come into this kingdom so that it moves you to a place in a position that you want to see the lost one for christ not just see them make an acceptance for christ but then to disciple them so that they can respond to that confession and then go out and disciple others you know, you say this, we got two more of those, but you say, you used to say this all the time. What gets measured gets results. What gets measured gets We're results. We're not talking about checking numbers. Right. But when we begin to set our heart to care about souls, how many of you notice that anything you focus on, you see more? Yes. Anything you focus on, you see more. So if we allow God to prick our hearts and we allow God to bring our heart into alignment with him, I believe what's going to happen for us is a lot of people that we've overlooked and discounted, we're going to go get them and win them for the Lord. And we know it's true because you can, everybody on this broadcast, if you are of driving age, when you get whatever car you got right now, I don't care whether it was not your dream car or not. When you got that car, you started seeing so many of those cars. Yes. They didn't just show up. You became hyper aware because you were being involved with that car. If you get involved with this idea of winning souls, the opportunities to win souls will be so abundant because you will become hyper aware of those opportunities. I just love you. They become hyper-aware. You know, I was thinking, you know, I, I went down to Atlanta to help Taylor get that car, and I came back, and I can't tell you how many of these cars I didn't saw on the road. And I was like, man, I ain't never even noticed these kind of cars. They're everywhere. They've been everywhere. We just weren't hyper-aware. It's why the Bible tells us, it says that the, the, the vineyards are full. They're, they're full. They're ripe for the harvest. What's the problem? The laborers are few. But if we if, if we do our part in training the laborers, man, the harvest is already there. You just, you said it. They're looking for answers. If we train the laborers, we can go into the harvest, out into the fields, the highways and byways, and compel them to come back to their father's house. And so that, I'm excited about that part of it. I'm excited about this new journey we're going to take, not just with us, but with out with all of us. And it's going to spread like wildfire, right? So I'm excited about it. Number four. I'm I'm excited too. I just, 
I want to ask you a question. Uh-huh. Okay. So I'm going to make an ask. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we know that we have partners all over the nation, mm-hmm. right? If you are willing to lead a small champion circle, a group of champion circle, let put it in the comments. Because, Pastor, and what we could do is remember when you said Little Rock Group and, and Central Arkansas Group and, and, and Northwest Arkansas Group, mm-hmm. we could really bring that back and begin to bring, have small champion circles where we're doing this work where those people can go in their communities and begin to win other people but have a systematic way of doing it. Yeah, I have no problem with that. My, my only pause on that is it's easy to gather a group. But that group needs to be well-trained, equipped before we send them out. Agreed. And so if you're talking about having a Little Rock group, a North Carolina group, a Texas group, and we get a chance to sit down and train those people so that when they're going out, they aren't going out saying something that is not what's in the Bible, I'm all for that. I'm not for just creating groups and then just having those groups get together and kick around the same uninformed information. Because I think that that becomes very detrimental. Yeah, I was asking if you was willing to do your training sure, again. Sure, That's if sure. you were willing we're to do your training. To do it for those who are, who, are, who are willing to do it. We just find times to do it. I don't care if I got to do it five nights a week with different groups or whatever. I'm I'm happy to do it. And those who want to help, that's great. Uh, I just want to make sure if we're saying we're equipping people to send them out, that we do what Jesus did. He equipped the disciples, then he sent them out. He didn't gather them and say, "Okay, get to it." He trained them, and then when he felt they were ready, he then sent them out two by two. And so if we follow that kind of model, the training and sending out, absolutely. Well, absolutely. Listen, we saw some people who said they're willing to do it. Mm-hmm. Send Pastor Edwin and I our message on email or messenger. Message us both, and let's really they, – they, no, I love well, what Don't just randomly send me messages because what if we're going to do this, it needs to be systematic for me. Okay. I need to figure out – let me think through it so I can figure out where everybody is – then I will create groups for those people based on that. So when I send a message, I'm sending a message to the North Carolina group. I'm sending a message to the Arkansas group like that, rather than people just randomly sending me things saying I'm going to help. So if you want to help, that's great. Hang on to that. Let me think about how the best way to get this information out and synthesize so that when you give me that information, it comes back to me in a way that's useful. I know, but this is what I was thinking. And we can do it your way because this is your wheelhouse, but I'm, this is what I was thinking. We actually need to, the people who are saying, I want to be trained and equipped, we actually need to know where they are. So the best way to do that then is to send an email. If you're, and, and, and hear me, you have to put anything. If you're willing to be one of the people to be trained in your city, I need two things. One, I need you to email at FOCNWA. I think that's what it is. is <laughs> let me make sure I'm going to give you the other B. It's FOC Church, FOC Church NWA at gmail.com if somebody can put that in the comment section foc church nwa at gmail.com okay if you're willing to be trained to be a part of it i need you to email me that and if your name is not attached to your email if you're you know you got something like you know i love jesus christ more than everybody else.com or whatever it is i need your real name so i need you to tell me your name and your city then that way, once I get all of that in one place in that FOC Church NWA, I'll have it. We can do it that way. Okay. Make sure you include your real name. 
Otherwise, I won't know who you are. I need your first and last name, and I need to know what city and state you're in, okay? Email me, first and last name, city and state. Uh, if, you're, if your name is in your email. Or country, because you may be in another or, country. Or country, or country. If your name is in your email and it's appropriate, do I can decipher what it is, then that's fine. But, you know, if you got something different, I don't, I don't know who. Just everybody do it the same. Put your name Dandelion in your Dandelion 25 is. <laughs> you hilarious, babe. How many of you are excited about this? Listen, and you can't just put the comments here. You got to send the if, email. If you don't no, follow my instruction, I assume you either don't listen well or you're slow or you don't want to be in this. It's not hard. And I'm not trying to be funny, but it's not hard. You're not going to make this job harder than it has to be, right? In the subject line, I don't care what's in the subject line, but what, what I care about. No, put small group leader. Okay, small group. That's fine. Put small group leader. But in the, the main in the thing. thing I need in that email is your name, first and last, the city, state, and if you're outside the country, then your country. I need those. If you can follow those instructions, we're fine. Otherwise, you may not be in the group. How many of you are excited? How many of you, listen, what I realized, babe, you said you wanted number three to be real, but people were saying, I'm willing to minister. I think that's I just, awesome. Let, let's go. I'm, listen, I'm happy about it. FOC, we already know that we're an international ministry. Mm -hmm. Let's get some hubs all mm -hmm. over the nation. Mm -hmm. Let's get some hubs all over yeah. the world. That's let's let's build up some groups all over. Help people grow. Do it in a systematic way. Let's touch more people than we've ever touched before. And if you know other people who want to be trained too, go ahead and have them to email as well. So that way, we everybody who wants to be trained, we can get them trained. And then once we get them trained, we can begin to have those small groups in those different places. And, and you can start to have a community in your place where you live, reaching out to people, connecting them with God first, and then with F, then with FOC. But don't just tell them about church. We, we connect the people to God. This is not a church building strategy. Amen. This, this is, is a, a discipleship right. building strategy. Listen, I'm so excited about this. So then number four, we're going to activate FOC to operate in the supernatural power yeah. of God. Why? Because when you get them in your small groups, when you're meeting up, they're going to have headaches. They're going to have pains. They're going to need signs, wonders, and miracles. And you are going to be equipped to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Amen. And then number five, compel people to live a righteous life. I need you to hear this. When you send that email that says, I'm willing to lead a, lead a small group, you are also saying, I'm willing to live a righteous and holy lifestyle. Mm -hmm. I'm willing to live a righteous and holy lifestyle. I don't know how nobody else do it, but I'm telling you, you can't be at the strip club, lead no right, lead no small group for champions. You can't. We, that's not what we're gonna do. You can't be involved in threesomes. You can't be cussing folks out. You can't be smoking weed, getting drunk, turning up. You gotta live like something. You got to live like something. Oh, so all of this is bringing us to God's three-part agenda. His three-part agenda is, baby, you want to talk about number one? Sure. It's the global harvest. It's really what, we, what we're getting into right now. It's this idea of how do we reach the masses? God's three-part agenda is about the global harvest, which is about souls. We know that we are all called, whether we don't, well, we should all know, or we're going to all know that we are called to win souls and to make disciples, to win souls and make disciples. And that we have to choose to care. You said it earlier, we should repent for not caring. That's what I did last week during my one of my walks. I repented to God 
for for my frustration with certain people and for my attitude of being that that no matter how I tried to frame it, that I really didn't care. When asking him to come on back, Jesus, just come back. You know, me and my family, we go to heaven. I really didn't care about everybody else. And he was like, that's not the heart of God. You can't say you want to have the heart of God, but then you have this, this thing that says you're not concerned like the father is concerned about other people. The second thing is the maturity of the saints. You said it earlier, grow up. We want the saints of God to grow up. We are all called to grow up in the things of God. Where you are this year shouldn't be where you are next year, and it shouldn't be where you are the year after. Amen. We are always growing and becoming. So we got to grow up in the things of God so that we can then do the work of the ministry. It is more work in the ministry than just coming to church. The real work of ministry is out there on our daily lives. We come to church to celebrate what's happened that week to celebrate with those. I was thinking the other day about how, and I don't know how we can do it, but just the way that we can even start to have monthly baptisms. Um, I was thinking about that too. So so I want to- Yes! <laughs> so, so when people come, and because there's going to be so many people coming into the body, we got to figure out a way. The Lord was like, I need, you to, I, I need you to be open to it and how I show you to do it. And, and we figure out a way that we can start having these monthly baptisms, right? Because people are coming, going to be coming into the body of Christ. And then number three, the, trans, the transformation of society. One of the things that we want to do is we want to get enough people who are doing this work that we are going, we are, we're training this core group to go out and get souls, to train those so they can go out and get souls. And then we become, the, we started a place where we begin to multiply this process so that we do start to transform our society. You know, our society in some ways is being transformed negatively because the negative things are discipling. And so we got to be the people of God who's doing the discipling. I was thinking about this with baptism yesterday, yesterday, and I was thinking about, I don't know how we're going to baptize people. But let me tell you what I saw, that in the Jesus Revolution, that they would have people meet at the ocean and baptize them in the ocean. That really felt like God to me, because we love the beach. We like once a quarter, we could be like, come to the beach. We'll baptize you. There are other ways yeah, that you can yeah. do it, but I'm signing up for the beach baptism. I thought you was trying to equate Beaver Lake to the beach. No, no, oh, no, okay. no, 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 no. Okay. The beach baptism. Okay. That we're going to okay. go to the beach okay. and oh. we're going to okay. baptize okay. people. How many of you felt God on that? Be let's go to the beach and let's baptize people. Amen. That's the will of God. For See, people <laughs> say, how many of you would like to be baptized again? Look, baby, I know ain't nobody but Pastor Ralph Marlowe created a Google poll. Hey, hey, now, he, ain't nobody. He's he great with him. And, no, and, and, no. if and if they do, they, hey, they great. They great with it. I, I just know don't want individual people sending me those messages. I know, babe. They I'm, need to be combined in one place. We got, we got, guys, we gonna stop right here, but we're about to change the world for Jesus. Amen. We're going to stop right here, but we're about to change. Oh, you got to read Matthew 5 first. I got to read Matthew 5. Yeah, oh, Matthew okay. 5. Well, you, you got to All right, Matthew 5, 14 through 16 says that you are the light of the world. We're going to change the world because we are the light of the world. We are like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. The Bible says in verse 15 that no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. We did not come and stare your faith this morning and to get you excited and to regenerate your mind about caring for souls just for us not to do anything with this. We are not lighting that lamp and then sticking it under a basket. 
It says, instead, a lamp is to be placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. So we want to be the light to the world. It says in verse 16, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see. In other words, Pastor calls it living like something. We want you to love God. We want you to live like something. We want your good deeds to be well spoken of so that you become that lamp that is on a stand that everyone you come in contact with gets a chance to see that light and they're drawn to that light like a moth is drawn to light. And then they get to ask you about what it is about you that makes you you and you get to share Jesus Christ with them. And then you get to disciple them because we're not just getting people in the house, we're not just adding numbers, we're getting people to make a commitment to the Lord to be disciple. It says, and when we do that, everyone will praise our heavenly Father. Hallelujah. Everyone, everyone will, praise will praise our, our heavenly Father. Father. Amen, amen, and amen. Are you excited? Now, you may want to repent today because you may go, man, I was one of the lukewarm people. I want to repent today. There ain't nothing wrong with ain't repentance. Nothing, I you, repented on my walk. If, I was if, like, Lord, forgive me. I turned. If you want to repent today and get all the way in what we're doing, man, put in the comments, I repent. And I love that, babe. I love that because we are both people who admit how often we repent. We just saw, like, if the goal is to be like Jesus, when you see that you're not like Jesus in an area, repent. repent. Change. Let the world know that you're repenting because you may have to say some, to some people, listen, I was real mean to you before and I didn't mean to be that mean, but now the Lord done changed my heart and now I'm repenting. Like, I love what BJ said. I'm on fire for you. That's what it means when it says set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, I can't control. I want more of you. I'm telling you, FOC, we're about to do something great. We are about to lead thousands, dare I say even millions, Amen. to the Lord because we are going to have these champion groups all over the nation and the world. It's going to be amazing. So many people are going to be saved. So many people are going to be delivered. So many people are going to be set free. We're going to leave a legacy that matters.